0: Today on the podcast, we head to Australia to catch up with Jake Burtwistle. The 26-year-old finished sixth in the World Series rankings in 2019, setting up what should have been a 2020 for the ages. When the pandemic put the brakes on the year and travel outside of Australia became impossible, plans changed dramatically, but great to speak with you, Jake. Uh, thanks for coming on. So you're in Tasmania at the moment? Yeah, I am. Yeah,
1: I'm uh, at home. I've been there for, for almost a year now, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> Someone that lives on the road, basically. This is the longest I've been at home for quite a while. Which is uh that's the positive to come out of twenty twenty anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, how has that been? As someone I think I read in an interview you did something like fifty flights two thousand nineteen in one season. Um and I mean it comes with the territory, presumably sometimes it's it like it becomes quite annoying, but you must have seriously missed that.
1: Yeah, it was it was really strange. Um I know I'd kind of started off the year um going well with the flights already i was uh I was over in Europe at the time um so for January through till March basically um and then eventually kind of just decided to to make the call and come home um which ended up being the right decision but yeah it was definitely a strange year and it was it was tough to be away from racing and it was especially tough to be at home training without my training partners and um, and those guys to kind of help push for along when the the going gets tough in training. It was a, quite a, a mentally challenging uh, um, winter to get through as well, which um, definitely yeah. took its toll.
0: I suppose, yeah. While we were so I'm in the UK, while we were kind of reflecting on how good it was that <clears throat> lockdown was biting as we were going into spring and summer. Obviously, that came back to bite us as well because <laughs> that's now what we're in the middle of still. But you were kind of yeah heading into winter, and the motivation. Dropping off with events <coughs> canceling and so on as well. So, who were you able to sort of lean on at that time?
1: Um, I guess the the important thing for me was just to, I guess, realise that there wasn't going to be events for me in the short term. Um, so to be able to kind of take confidence from that um, made it a bit easier to not put so much pressure on myself. I suppose for the training, um, it didn't happen very often. I generally still manage to, to guilt myself into it most days. But if I was really feeling like, uh, yeah, not getting out of bed that day, I would, uh, just, uh, either take an easy day or maybe just miss a session here or there. But, um, yeah. Did you have like a sort of,
0: did you have a wingman or like, you know, someone there just to give you that extra push?
1: Not too much. Um, I do when I'm home in Tasmania, I do probably 90% of my training by myself, Right, um, which is uh, it's not a huge triathlon scene here, um, so just for logistic reasons, it's easier to um, organise a day for me to kind of get in three different sessions. It's hard to link up with some local riders and some local runners and things. So um, mainly for that reason, I find it easier just to to do my own thing, and then I don't have to kind of comprom- compromise on my training plan. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, because of that, I do most of my stuff by myself. Um, so I kind of just had, uh, yeah, me and my, my thoughts for most of the winter.
0: (laughs) And has that meant like, in some ways kind of enjoyed being able to just focus on different bits that you've want, you know, have you found yourself doing completely different stuff in training, probably like adapting the stuff that Joel, you know, like presumably there's blocks that are like essential, the, the minimum that you want to be doing, but then have you been tacking on other, other stuff just to keep it fresh?
1: Um, I haven't really changed too much. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's me just mentally a bit crazy. I can kind of keep doing the same thing every day for weeks on end. But, um, yeah, there's something about it when you kind of begin a training plan. Um, obviously, you're unfit at the start. And I'm kind of going through it now after taking my end of season break in November. I'm still building up. But there's something really satisfying about kind of doing the same thing every week, every like every day each week. Um, and feeling yourself get better and go further and uh, add time onto it. So, um, yeah, there's something about that that I, I really enjoy. Um, so kind of once I started, um, yeah, following that routine again, um, yeah, I was really enjoying, I guess, my time um, training on the roads that I kind of grew up riding and running on um, and, uh, yeah, just spending some time at home.
0: Mm. So as far as like we're well, obviously start of February now, compare it to a normal start of February you're picking it up as you normally would right it's kind of ticking up but but somewhat behind the curve that you would normally be at or are you trying to approach this like a sort of normal season really
1: yeah so and that was a lot of um I guess to do with the planning of 2020 um even though I didn't have a single race for the whole 12 months I um I finished my season um the same weekend as my last race normally is. Um, so I did like a, a time trial by myself, um, a swim in the pool, a bike with some with some friends and then a run with my dad on the bike, pushing the pace. Um, and that was kind of the way for me to end the year. And that meant yeah. that I was, um, once I started up the training again, I was gonna be in the, the exact same position as I was the last three or four years, um, starting into the, the new seasons. So, yeah, that was kind of the plan, and that's kind of where we're at now. I'm probably, I'd say, like 90, 90% um, through that building phase and now just starting to um, finally, after what feels like quite a long time of just base training, finally starting to add in a little bit more speed and a bit more
0: quality work. Yeah. is that consistency you're talking about again then, right, having to finish the season at the same point with a fake kind of race. and. <laughs>
1: That's yeah the, exactly just trying to make it as much like normal as possible <laughs>
0: yeah um yeah so i mean and if you're doing a time trial like that um obviously there's a lot of stuff at the moment about the, the, the phoenix guys um you know christian and and ali saying they're going for the sub seven ironman and so on if you were doing a race with no other night no, no no other athletes around you would you normally like do you think you would finish it you'd be able to do it quicker like if you would like i'm just going to go all out here
1: um yeah i mean for sure it would be slower in terms of uh, an itu event just purely because of the bike um oh yeah not having that draft would make a massive difference but yeah i think it would be a really interesting thing to like you see it in the time in the cycling they have the time trial um maybe one one year will add that into the world series that'd be uh something pretty interesting to see I think who would um kind of take the race tactics out of it and just uh whoever's the strongest on the day would be would be really interesting to see yeah
0: yeah i mean there's what is it like forty minutes that they've got a chip away from the, the from jan's sort of current world record right that's a fairly big ask but I, yeah I was just wondering if if that was just your target and you were kind of forgetting about like the general race tactics. Would that make it a little bit easier or, or a lot harder? But like you said, the drafting thing.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh that's gonna be a, a massive difference. Um and yeah, like I think, yeah, for them it's still a, a massive ask. They've got a lot of time to to catch up. Um <clears throat> but they're two great athletes and I think uh it's all gonna be kind of set up for, for success. So uh as a as a Phoenix member I'll be uh watching on with uh with a lot of interest and hope they can do it.
0: Ah, right, so you're part of the Phoenix set up as well so what 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 is that like in in essence
1: yeah so i'm um yeah one of the the members of the phoenix team um basically it's uh it started off uh just in triathlon and it will eventually kind of broaden out into into other sports as well but um yeah essentially we're just kind of there to tell a story um of each person in that group Um, And hope that along the way we can inspire the next generation of athletes so it's all about um i guess for us we've kind of all started sport from a young age and it's kind of given this uh opened a lot of doors and given us a lot of opportunities to to see the world and go off to these events so um to kind of try and encourage as many people as possible to to take those opportunities when you're young and uh and get involved in sports yeah. um and have a I guess a healthy healthier lifestyle and uh and who knows it could uh it could lead you to be a, a world champion like Vince and Katie who are both other members of the team
0: yeah so does that involve you doing some grassroots stuff in Australia as well is that kind of you know is that long term or are you doing that already
1: yeah I um while I'm at home I, I try and do things like that anyway but um yeah definitely with the team having the support there I think that's Definitely something that um, is of interest for for all of the members. Um, obviously, we kind of started off in twenty twenty, so it was a bit of a, a shaky year to to get involved with things like that. Obviously, not too many things have gone ahead, but um, yeah, that's kind of the plan and um, something we kind of want to be involved with for the for the rest of my career and kind of see if I can, I guess, make an impact instead of just uh, get results for myself. I suppose.
0: Mm. So yeah, like growing up in Tasmania, you said there wasn't a huge triathlon scene there. Like what? And you started out as a runner predominantly, right? But still discovered yeah, right. still discovered tri- triathlon like while a kid in Tasmania.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I was I did my first triathlon at twelve, um, so still pretty young. Um, just at a, a local event, it was a, a super sprint race that I did, um, and kind of just for. For me, it was all about uh, cross training for quite a, a number of years, um, just because I was focusing on being a runner on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I had, uh, I guess events like that and some some school events that kind of helped me get involved in it. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of what the the Phoenix uh, Foundation wants to do is just kind of make sure everyone has those opportunities.
0: And what you know, what is Tasmania like as a in terms of australia being what a few hundred k away is it quite an isolated place is it is it a fun sort of place to to grow up i mean obviously like the uh the landscape looks pretty incredible and so on
1: yeah it is it's um i think it's one of those places that you don't appreciate until you leave um so yeah i I think that's also probably just part of being home um as when you're young, you kind of see that there's this massive world out there and you kind of want to experience and and go see it all um but after having done that for a number of years there's uh nothing yeah there's nowhere else I'd rather be i guess than than here at the moment so um yeah the the sporting um world in in tasmania is uh is i guess small in comparison um to other areas of the country but um, we, uh, we punch above our weight. I think we have a lot of, uh, really great athletes that are, um, from down here. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, they say that we have some pretty, uh, rough weather, I guess, compared to some other parts of Australia, which I like, you'd say doesn't really have a winter. Um, we have a winter down here and I think that's, uh, makes us a bit tougher. That's what they say anyway.
0: So I'll, I'll go with that. Right. <laughs> Got you. And presumably quite easy, to, like, i mean australia and new zealand have been able to lock down pretty well but tasmania as an island is it has that been has there been like restricted travel to the mainland or
1: yeah so we still um yeah between all the states in australia um all borders were pretty well closed for yeah maybe 6 months um but yeah so we we're definitely lucky um being in australia obviously an island and then kind of being further separated from that down here in Tassie. Um, we've been really fortunate to not feel the effects of COVID too seriously. Um, early on um, through probably March, uh, May last year, we um, that was probably our strictest time in terms of lockdowns and things like that. But yeah, thankfully, we we're able to get on top of it pretty well um, and uh, have been uh, kind of living a, a normal life, which has been really, really nice since then.
0: So it was sort of May time that it became obvious that the season was like, there was going to be no chance of traveling to Europe for any of the races. Was that, was that the deal?
1: Yeah, it was um, something I'd kept in the back of my mind still. I was positive that there was uh, going to be events on. Um, And uh, I guess when you're, uh, when you're training um, 25 hours a week, you, you want something to work towards whether it's something realistic or not. Um, so there was, there was a long time there where I probably knew that I wouldn't be traveling that year. Um, I was still um, preparing to race um, for Hamburg. That was kind of my goal. So I was in that building phase that I kind of mentioned before of uh, getting ready to race for that event. Um, but obviously as it got a bit closer, it became pretty clear um, I wouldn't be able to travel and I was going to be uh, just based in Tassie for the year it was tough to kind of watch but um i think yeah you have to kind of do what you can do in a year like that so um yeah unfortunately um i guess we were we were really lucky down here that we haven't felt the effects of covid too much but at the same time mm. it also is uh been quite a challenge for us to to get anywhere so mm. um yeah i guess it depends which which option you're rather pick but uh yeah hoping for a bit more smooth sailing this year and hopefully i can uh, get away for some races
0: yeah. I was talking to Hayden last weekend and uh, he was saying that there was like, talk about the possibility of a sport corridor opening up between Australia and New Zealand for, you know, a few series. That would be quite a good way to fire up that little rivalry, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, it would be, that'd be great. Um, and it's still something we're uh, hopeful for, for the next, over the next few months There's going to be a few races in Australia that I um, kind of penciled in for Oceania championships. So Obviously, that's pending if the New Zealand athletes can get here or not. But, um, yeah, it'd be amazing if they can kind of come across because I know they've been in a, in a really similar boat this past 12 months of um, basically being locked down in their country and not being able to really move. So it'd be great if we can kind of open up between the two of us and, uh, and get cracking on some races.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I like to do these interviews with a sort of customary look back over some recent results of who I'm talking to not necessarily what we can do here but what was it green beach triathlon last week or so where were you racing
1: yeah that's right um yeah the inaugural greens beach triathlon um, Right. <laughs> it was uh, i actually uh, used to spend my summers um at greens beach so it was an area, an area i know really well um and basically because of that wanted to to be involved um and obviously an opportunity to to do a triathlon at the moment, isn't something I will uh, shy away from. So, no. um, yeah, did my, my first race for, for 15 months, Jeez. which is pretty crazy. But um, it wasn't, wasn't anything spectacular, but it was nice to kind of be out there and have a, have a race again and, I guess, remember what it feels like.
0: How many people were, you were in the race?
1: Um, I think there was probably around 100. Okay. Um, so across like, all ages and, and teams and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a one of my, my friends that has been kind of helping me out with a few of my swim sessions. Um, one of the few people that I've kind of joined in to train with um, over the last 12 months was organising this event. So wanted to to do what I could to, I guess, thank him and, and support his event. Um, and you're really happy to kind of go out there and have a bit of a hit out. And I can more than anything, I guess, see where the form is at for, for this early stage in the year.
0: Yeah. Was there a few kind of glances across at you on the start line, of people like, ah, oh, hang on, <laughs> Jason, what the hell? Or people like eyeing yeah, up your well, bike with uh, green eyes?
1: Yeah, well, there's a uh, there's plenty of uh, of quality bikes around yeah. in uh, most local tri scenes anyway. But True. yeah, um, I was uh, going head to head against one of the teams. Um, that was kind of my goal. I uh, I think I got beat by about five seconds in the end, um, but. That was, that was cool to to have a a swimmer, a a rider and a runner to kind of chase as well for for the whole race. It meant I wasn't just kind of out the front on my own, which was, uh, made it a bit more interesting, I guess.
0: Yeah. And how's it been like, with you know, are you, are you trying out any new kit for this season? Is there a plan? Like how's it worked with sponsors with such sort of dead time over the last 15 months and so on? Has that all ticked along okay, you know, your sort of responsibilities and people, you know, obviously needing exposure, right?
1: Yeah, I think um, things have obviously changed a little bit over the last 12 months. Um, brands usually get so much out of an event. Um, they've kind of had to, I guess, change the way they they think about it. But, yeah, I've been really, really uh, thankful that um, all of my partners have uh, almost, anyway, have uh, continued on um, after this uh COVID period and we'll uh be racing again with them in 2021 um so yeah not too much has been changing for me but I've kind of uh spent some time trialing some products and uh and some different training methods I suppose um to kind of I guess make the most of such a long period with no racing to because obviously you never want to be trying anything new on race day no I didn't worry about race day for quite a while so it meant I was able to kind of make the most of that as well.
0: Have you had any over the years any game changes either kit or you know diet or something you've brought into your training um that you can look back and be like that that has definitely like made a huge impact. Um I don't know I I guess nothing is
1: jumping out at me as a as an obvious answer to that but I think since uh since training with Joel um and the group in I started in 2017 uh our training plan basically every year um is very very similar um uh, not much has changed from that so uh there's always this one kind of one workout that I know if I can get through it and I can um basically survive it I guess that <laughs> uh I'm in good shape and I'm, I'm going to be ready to race so I think uh there's a there's a lot that kind of comes down to the little things like your gear your shoes and your bikes and everything um I'm thankful to kind of i think have the the top level of those but um the the big the big steps are gonna come from the work you do in training so that's kind of where i i guess focus the time and and the effort and uh yeah
0: so what is the essence of that workout that you know if you can just get through that you you able to yeah, do?
1: it's yeah. I, there's no secret, so I can uh, I can say <laughs> um, it's our our sixty minute build run. Um, so yeah, we do like a warm up, and uh, then it's sixty minutes. Uh, every twenty minutes, get quicker. Um, starting at I think around three thirty, three forty pace, and uh, and building from there. So mm. it's one of those sessions that for the first forty minutes, yeah don't feel like you're really doing much at all, but it all kind of comes crashing down in that last 20 minutes when you're trying to run three tens after already being tired for 40 minutes. So uh, yeah it's one of those workouts that we do um, at the end of our I guess base or our, as our strength phase um, and then that session will the next week kind of be substituted for a bit more speed work. Um, so it's, I take a lot of confidence, kind of getting through that strength endurance phase of the training, ticking off that session and then, uh, being a lot more comfortable through the, the speed workouts on the run.
0: Right. So is that kind of week on week off that you're alternating or how often would you, would you go through that or how often are you sort of seeing it on the schedule and sort of dreading it?
1: Th- thankfully not often, probably right. only twice a year. Okay. Um, so I'm, I've actually just this past weekend did my first build run. So it was a 15-minute this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the next four or five weeks, it'll get longer each week until we're at 60. And then from there, we'll start uh, adding in a bit more speed. Um, and then kind of, yeah, depending on how the year plans with different events, uh, we'll try and probably fit another um, endurance block in somewhere along the line.
0: Right. Yeah. So... The last time you were all together was like in the planning for Abu Dhabi. Then you were in Europe and it was, so yeah, you, Mario, Katie, the whole crew together, Vincent. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. Um Yeah. February 2020 was
0: the last time we were all
1: together as a group,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which feels like a long time ago now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, are you still sort of in touch with them yeah you know individually as well as well, I suppose does Joel get you all together once in a while for a kind of a zoom, or is that a bit unrealistic when you're all kind of clicking into your own schedules?
1: yeah, um, we haven't really done that we all kind of uh we have obviously a, a whatsapp group chat mm-hmm. um and there'll be some uh conversations in there every now and then, um generally around someone's birthday <laughs> right so you choose to kind of get in touch with everyone again, but yeah um. Yeah, for the most part, it's all kind of individualized. Um, so if you want to um, get in touch with someone or if you want to join someone for a Zwift ride, um, it's pretty easy to kind of set up yourself. Unless, of course, you are living on the other
0: side of the world in,
1: in Australia, then it makes it a bit more challenging. Time but, zones
0: tend to play against you. A bit. Um,
1: yeah, it's a little bit. So, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's easy enough to do. it.
0: Who's most prolific on the WhatsApp group then? Like, uh, who's... Uh... Is the one that's always sort of trying to G people up for a bit of um, gossip.
1: I'd say uh I'd say Aaron, Aaron Royal. Yeah. He uh often will share some funny video that he's he's found. Um a lot of the time it doesn't even get a response anymore because it happens <laughs> almost every day. But um it's always funny to see um something,
0: whatever is found. And Obviously like big news this week with Joel being confirmed for Australia team coach, right? Um, was that something, I mean, obviously, presumably yeah, you would have been the first to know about his plans changing and whatever anyway. Um, great for team Australia.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really exciting. Um, I've kind of didn't know anything officially for until yeah, just last week, but, um, I knew that Australia was looking Mm. for a new high performance coach and uh, I'd seen the the criteria that they were asking for those to apply and I couldn't think of many other people that had uh, ticked all the boxes necessary. So I was uh, quietly confident that that Joel would uh, get the role and I knew that he was interested um, uh, in Australia, working for Australia and and moving here. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited that he'll – yeah, the group will be a bit closer to home for a bit of time throughout the year, which is going to be really nice for me.
0: Yeah. Which, so where in Australia will that, will he be based or is Team Australia based? Is that where Aaron is at the moment?
1: No, um, I don't think they've uh, set a, a location yet. Um,
0: so I imagine that'll
1: be, I don't, <laughs> I would love it if it was. Um, I can't see it happening, but oh. Um, yeah, I think most of the triathlon Australia, like the offices and high performance center, are in Queensland, um, and that's, I guess the hub of triathlon in the country. Mm -hmm. So I expect it will be somewhere around there, but, um, yeah, nothing I don't think is, uh, certain at this stage.
0: Yeah. As it isn't, I suppose with the, like the qualification criteria and stuff for the, for Tokyo and, um, but what was it, end of last year? It was all kind of confirmed. You got the nod from Australia that, you know, what was pretty much a given anyway, but but nice to have your qualification, your spot at the Olympics set in stone.
1: Yeah, and I, not 100% set in stone at this stage, I think. Uh, but yeah, for now, um, it was really good to, to get the nomination um, when that kind of process goes through later in the year, um, closer to the Games. But yeah, to kind of know... Um, my name will be there. Um, definitely was, uh, more of a, a weight off my shoulders more than anything. Um, it wasn't, thankfully I didn't have to, um, go chasing any events for points or anything this year. I didn't really feel like I had to prove myself, um, after having a, a, pretty successful last few seasons where I was able to race well. Um, so my plan was always to work towards Tokyo and be ready to race then, um, so it doesn't really change anything in terms of the planning or the logistics but it's it's still nice to to know that i don't i guess have to worry about it anymore at all
0: and then Joel's appointment is a pretty big statement of intent by Australia as well in terms of you know a very a squad that I suppose is is deep with with talent, but the other places are still very much up for grabs right so perhaps part of the philosophy there is you know to, to really focus the mind of two or three of those see who can kind of he can get the best out of to make up the other two slots hopefully the mixed relay team so on Cause it's kind of fluid right who that's going to be
1: yeah at this stage yeah there's um i think there'll be another opportunity for a nomination within the next couple of months mm-hmm. um and then the the final announcement will be made uh, yeah, closer to the games, but yeah, it's hard, um, and especially not having any actual selection events. Um, I guess it, it's a, a tough position for the selectors, um, and especially when most of us haven't really raced at all, and certainly haven't raced at a, at a World Series level for um, yeah over a year over a year now. Um, it makes it pretty difficult, and you probably may not get that opportunity before the games as well. So. Um, yeah, I'm glad I'm not a selector. I'll say that much. But um, yeah, I guess having a, having the confidence of uh, Joel Breen brought in, um, it's nice as well just to know that um, I'm in the right position because I obviously when I joined, I had to kind of move away from a triathlon Australia program, mm. um, which um, for for a long time was something that I guess wasn't encouraged so much. Um, so it's nice to kind of yeah get that acknowledgement that well, I made the right call back then. Um, and now others, I guess, in, in Australia will have the opportunity to to work with Joel.
0: Yeah. So while there maybe like only a handful of coaches that team Australia would be happy for you to fly the nest to go to, otherwise they might, yeah. Is that how it kind of works?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't, they certainly weren't unhappy about me leaving to go to Joel, but I think just the, um, the system, I guess, how it all works, um, you kind of go from step from a junior up to the next level and the next level. And a lot of the time it's um, that decision almost has been kind of made for you. Um, So to, to look outside of Australia and the coaching network here um, Mm. is something that's probably not super common. Um, Mm. But yeah, that option is always there for, for athletes that want to take it, but it's, I guess not as simple as a, um yeah just heading next door to the nearest coach but yeah i think it's going to be a pretty smooth transition Um, obviously no one is going to be made to train with joel uh, or leave their current coach to move um i think joel will have uh, will continue his role like he's kind of doing now um, with the group and uh, those athletes that would like to join or like to come in and trial things uh, will have that opportunity now Um, a lot easier i guess than what they would have before um and I think, yeah, in the down the down the track, the long term goal I guess is to have a a really strong Australian group established. But I think yeah, short term things probably won't change too much. Mm. Um and probably this close to the Olympics, people don't want to probably be changing too much too soon. Um yeah, yeah that is there for those that want it, I guess.
0: Mm. And four well, five years ago it was ryan fisher just picked you to selection for rio right um but you know deep down other than obviously having had the experience and so on presumably you would have felt that would have been a little bit early for you to kind of really shine um 26 now that seems like the sort of golden age for for i mean if you look at you know yan when he won and uh ali was 24 and 28 right so you're kind of in that in that zone yeah. is there is there a sort of goal you know if you were a footballer i suppose you'd be saying 26 is like the golden age for a footballer do you
1: yeah well yeah i'll tell a um a little story when uh, i was kind of a junior in australia they had a program the national talent academy um and through that program i had access to some coaches within australia and some mentors and i remember having a conversation with peter robertson um obviously won a um, number of world titles um, we were standing downstairs in my, in my house just kind of at the entranceway and we were discussing what year was was the olympics for me and this was probably when i was 16 and uh right. and way back then we said uh 2020 uh tokyo games is the one so yeah obviously it would have been it would have been amazing to to go to rio and kind of have that experience of um, I guess, the circus of the Olympic Games, they kind of call it. Um, you just kind of know what it's all about. But, um, yeah, the the reality was that that was probably 12 months too soon for me in my progression. I think the year later, um, I would have been a lot more confident to, to get a spot on that team. But, um, yeah, that's, I guess, how it goes. You can't – and it, it's a, a good problem to have, I guess, for Australia that uh, I was – I think I think I made a podium in twenty sixteen in Hamburg, but wasn't able to to make our Olympic team. Um, which I guess just shows the quality of athlete that we have here. Um but yeah, to kind of I guess put that behind me now and uh and have the build up to Tokyo twenty twenty one. Um it's uh I guess I'm a lot more confident in my ability to race and I think this is this is gonna be the one. Um I think Paris um will kind of continue the plan on through Paris and then kind of see what happens. But uh yeah, I think uh I'm in a good position um if we can get back racing and, and get to the games so that um I can make it a good one, yeah.
0: Yeah. And you had a great Commonwealth Games twenty eighteen and that was your first sort of experience of like a big games, right? In that in that sense. Uh did it feel like a very different race? Are there things that you will have taken from the Commonwealth that were kind of unique to that, that you don't experience in a World Series that will help?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, having the Com Games um, is like a massive, I guess, stepping stone towards the Olympics. Uh, it's obviously, it's just as hard to get on the team and it's uh, in triathlon as well. It's, it's a lot of the top nations are still there. So it's still a really top quality event. Um, but it's, it's the little things like the living in the village in the lead up to the games and the um, eating in the dining hall and the yeah the security of the of the village and the different events and courses is is what I guess really sets something like Commonwealth Games and an Olympics apart from just the regular World Series where um, we're a bit more in our own environment. I guess um, we pick the hotels, we kind of have a bit more control over things like that. Um, mm. So to yeah experience experience it like that and have a bit of a um, gives me a bit more of an idea what to expect in Tokyo um, and uh, yeah take a lot of confidence I guess from being able to have that first experience at Commonwealth games and and perform well um, that hopefully I can can do it again on the next level
0: yeah I guess like the the village aspect alone can sort of make or break people in some way they you know some people will just crack on normally but uh a lot of distractions a lot of just sort of intense situation with so many people all in one space and a lot of pressure kicking around but then at the same time I suppose it's no given or is it that you would be in the village sometimes teams set up outside of the village anyway don't they
1: yeah they do and I know they I think they did for the for Rio um but I think that the village is really close to the triathlon course in Tokyo, um, which basically means that as Australians, that we won't be granted access to stay stay elsewhere. Um so in that sense it'll be just like the COM games, that we were in the village um on race day beforehand and after. So um yeah, kind of to have that and I guess no um what it's all a what it's all about obviously it's going to be a, another step up with uh probably more athletes and on a bigger stage for sure but um i'd i'd say i'm a pretty relaxed guy um
0: so i don't i can't see it uh affecting me too much um but i guess we'll have to wait and see in uh income games what was the <clears throat> what was the difference like the, the gap between the individual and the mixed relay there was it only a couple of days or because obviously in Tokyo it's going to be a week right so you can sort of build up and you know what is obviously a massive race but extra huge when there's an Olympic medal on the line
1: yeah definitely um at the Com games I think we had two days in between
0: so it's kind mm-hmm. of uh
1: a step in the middle between the regular world champs where it's the next day um uh, and what the Olympics will be with it a bit longer between so um yeah, I think it's that makes it interesting because um obviously not many athletes, um, well I guess none have had the the opportunity to like do the individual race and then have that in between time, which is it's a bit awkward I guess, because um usually you kind of uh straight into it or you have a day like a recovery day. Now we'll have a recovery day and then have to kind of sharpen up again. Um yeah. so it'll be it'll be interesting to see I guess how different athletes tackle that um and how that'll affect the race day but um yeah i'm I'm excited
0: oh and also that moment where you get to kind of line up shoulder to shoulder with the team normally you know you're very kind of individual and focused that that must in itself be a an amazing moment and will be
1: yeah definitely um at all um yeah relay events it's it's super cool to to race it with others um and obviously each leg is still an individual person doing it but there's something special about it that if you're sharing the workload um still and it's always so much less pressure um well for me anyway i know uh maybe others feel the opposite they feel they uh can't let the other members of the team down but i feel in my experience with the relay, it's always a much more relaxed vibe around race morning. Um, and uh, you kind of all out there together and you're working as one, but uh, yeah, that, that for me makes it, I guess more of an enjoyable experience. It's, it's far less stressful and, and a lot less nerve wracking. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really nice to kind of get out there and do something different that um, for a long time, I guess we haven't had the opportunity to do in the sport of triathlon at that level.
0: I mean the half the thing about the mixed relay is that it chops and changes so much. I'm kind of fascinated by the, the sort of role of the, obviously you've got a technical official trying to keep on top of who's where to line you all up as well. It must get quite intense in there, doesn't it? Like they're like, no, no shift, shift position and you're kind of trying to focus on what you've got to do. And
1: Yeah. It's a, like the tag zone can be, can get pretty messy, I guess. Um, and you almost have to just take a few steps back and wait Um until they're like right there, because yeah, even watching from coming 100 meters away, it changes so much. You can go from yeah. yeah, you can change five positions in that 100 meters, and that means you have to kind of shift with the other guys on the start line there. So, um, yeah, it's a, a pretty dynamic moment, I guess. Um, but it's nice to kind of finally get that tag and get going. And um, once we kind of get that out of the way, um, you guess, I guess you know what you're doing.
0: Are there any folk in that paddock, in that lineup that are particularly known for trying a few mind games or, like, psyching out anyone?
1: Um, yeah, I don't know. there
0: Not... been a few situations, surely.
1: Yeah, I think um, there's nothing obvious, but even just having people around um, can start playing with your head a bit, uh, especially if you see uh, how the race is kind of being um being run at the moment um you can yeah you take a lot of pressure i guess from seeing exactly what's happening and then standing next to the guy that now has a 20 second lead with a big grin on his face um puts a bit of pressure on your shoulders to, to catch up or whatever it might be um but yeah there's no one uh no one uh, really walking around with the hoodie up and throwing punches, trying to, trying to psych everyone out that I can think of. But um, everyone has their own little uh, subtle things, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, obviously we're very excited about the the build-up and there's a lot to be decided between now and then as to how things are going to shape up. Um, what? So, yeah, like I said, we're starting February. What does February, March look like for you at the moment staying in tassie or
1: yeah, so i'll be staying here for a little bit longer um and again it's it's pretty hard to make plans at the moment when situations are changing all the time um hmm. yeah my current plan is basically to, to stay at home and finish this uh build phase and then hopefully we'll uh get the opportunity to race um mid-march in malulaba um, which is usually the world carpets. Hopefully, this year will be the Oceania champs if uh, we can have athletes fly in for that. Um, mm-hmm. So, that will be my first race, which is a bit early. Um, I wanted to have done a full preparation for it, but it's going to be still a great opportunity to, to have a hit out. And um, after so long being away from an, uh, an ITU type event, um, to get back and have a race like that is going to be an opportunity I think I, I don't want to miss um, just in case things can make a turn for the worst in the build up to Tokyo again. So that'll be kind of my plan. And then uh, hoping uh, I'll be able to head overseas and join up with Joel and the rest of the training group um, from kind of March and then uh, onwards to Tokyo.
0: Yeah. It'd be nice to, to get all back together, I guess. Right. And uh, be shoulder to shoulder with them and see you. Who- see where everyone's at in every sense you know not just racing sense but just to catch up with people you normally spend so much time with
1: yeah yeah definitely it's uh it's weird going from living like sharing houses and uh being basically side by side with these people all day for months and months of the year to not seeing them and having uh yeah i guess limited contact with them for for such a long time is, is pretty strange but uh I feel like it's one of those things that, as soon as we're uh, we're back on camp and we're back together it's going to kind of it'll just click and be back to normal um, so yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to to being back with the group, uh, especially after so long of training basically solo um, it's going to be nice to to have some people to to talk to on bike rides and uh, yeah. have someone to push me along as well
0: totally and in that situation, that kind of communal living from what i 've seen. You probably want Vincent making you a cup of coffee. He seems to know his way around a coffee machine. Who do you want on cooking duty? Yeah, well,
1: I I actually don't drink coffee, so uh, I'll I'll scrap that one. um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I'd want cooking. Um, And I probably even more than a lot of the Europeans kind of buy into that European lifestyle of the nine o'clock dinners. So uh, usually everyone else is finished up and, getting ready for bed before i start cooking so uh which it makes it kind of good to when you're sharing a house sharing a kitchen i can kind of have that time to to do my Sweet own thing yeah. so um, yeah uh there's definitely there's people that kind of link up and and do things together um but yeah it depends i guess who you're living with at the time and, and what the situation is so yeah yeah
0: and just in like in the downtime and the head clearing and getting out of triathlon for half an hour, an hour, what's your kind of go-to?
1: Um, It's, I don't know, really. There's uh, it's funny because you spend so much time doing it and you want to be so ready for the next session. Most of the
0: time your free time is made up of recovery, which yeah. is a pretty boring answer. But <laughs> well, no, but I mean, but would that include sort of, you know, putting on a, Get cricket match on the telly or is there another like do you follow other sports as well I mean as an Australian
1: <laughs> yeah I'm a I'm a bad there, Australian right? in that sense I guess I don't follow <laughs> pretty much sport but I uh, I definitely have uh, a few hobbies and, and things that I'll pick up um yeah at the moment I'm, I've got real into making bonsai so maybe oh, nice. that's maybe that's because I haven't been able to go to Japan we weren't in Tokyo last year but that's kind of my thing at the moment which You're I'm channeling your inner Mr. Miyagi exactly, yeah. Um, which is funny, like, I'm really not a patient guy, um, so it's, it's pretty hard for me to wait for this damn little tree to grow a bit, but uh, I guess that's <laughs> all part of it.
0: <laughs> I bought my grandfather uh, in law one like a couple of Christmases ago, I've never seen any evidence of him ever having done anything with it. I just I think it's probably like that's a bit weird, thanks, yeah. Um, but it's something I've always quite. It, what is it all about? Kind of keeping the root contained so that it can't obviously grow too big and just constant s- sort of snipping.
1: Yeah, essentially, and I've, obviously, I'm still very, very amateur at it. Um, but well, yeah, you're going to have a yeah
0: decades of training and.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm probably 60 years too young to to become any sort of master <laughs> at it. But, um, yeah, it's just it's something that to do. Um, something that's, I guess easy on the body as well um I can't have too many hobbies that are um too mm. physical um just because I want to be saving myself and and I'm the kind of person that if I went out and and was playing basketball or riding a skateboard or something I'd end up breaking an ankle and that'd be a tough one to explain to Joel and Triathlon Australia and what I did so um yeah yeah I'm a, much more into the the lower impact type of hobby um and a lot of the time that's uh enjoyed on the couch watching something or
0: yeah, in the garden. <laughs> well imagine the imagine the, the kit you're gonna be able to come back from Tokyo with for your bonsai. Uh, yeah,
1: I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I'll
0: have a few up. So upgrades. those boards the skateboards pretty much stay on the wall, do they?
1: They yes, <laughs> they are. They haven't moved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks Jake. It's been great to have you on. Really good to catch up. Yeah, thank you. It's great to have a chat. Thanks to Jake Burtwistle. Next week, we will dial in with a legend of Australian triathlon, Emma Carney, and hear from her protégé, Emma Hogan, a young triathlete with her sights firmly set on an Olympic podium in 2028. Thanks for listening.